You're listening to the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega Podcast on the Odyssey Robots Radio Network. Yo, 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 word to your mother, it's me, it's me, it's Mr. Sensational Gino Vega on the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast coming to you by way of the IC Robots Radio Network, folks, this is episode 25 of the show, 25, 25 alive, what was I doing when I was 25, uh, I think I might have gotten married when I was 25, I think I also had a uh, Ms. S threw a surprise birthday party for me. We were living in San Jose, California at the time. And uh, I didn't really know a lot of people there. I didn't really know anyone there. So uh, she invited a bunch of folks from Santa Rosa to come on down. And come on down they did. Um, You know, to be totally honest, I think that the... Mr. Sensational Gino Vega persona was actually born around the time that I was 25. So what do you know? As the worm turns, we come full circle here on old episode 25 with more symbolism than one could shake a stick at. But uh, let's get on with the show. Uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest, folks. I'm a little tired. You know, they've been talking out there uh, in the ether in the lamestream media, as it were, in the in social media chatter, everywhere you're hearing about this idea of COVID fatigue. And I've got some COVID fatigue going on, but it's a little bit different, I think, than what is generally referred to as COVID fatigue. I think in common parlance, the term is meant to describe people getting sick of COVID precautions, COVID regulations and just kind of wanting to go back to things as they were pre-coronavirus and carouse and spit in each other's face and uh, do all that good stuff unfettered by onerous uh, restrictions to freedom such as masks and having to eat outside. Um, Hence people just going back to doing whatever they want and you know, caseloads rising and ICU units being overrun. But uh, who cares about all that, right? That That's uh, uh, only the strong survive. But uh, for me, <laughs> my COVID fatigue is more with that latter attitude and just the uh, so much like know-nothing stuff that I keep seeing. I probably shouldn't be looking is the problem. <laughs> like I, I, I should not even use the internet for anything other than like, texting with people I actually know. Um, I may be reading some MMA news. But the simple fact of the matter is, if one has any kind of public digital life, social media life, it is impossible to uh, avoid the dreaded comments. And as those comments seep into one's feed as they inevitably do, it feels like there is just a growing chorus of these voices from all points on the lunatic fringe axis, from furthest right to furthest left, spouting just the most anecdotal-based, incoherent, 
small-minded, cowardly, selfish, mean-spirited nonsense. And while it would behoove me, or really anyone, to ignore this chorus, it gets to be a downer after a while. I feel like where we are right now in this uh, less than a year of hardship, sure, but um, on the spectrum of hardship faced by the world's peoples over time, not that high. I mean, of course, not trying to minimize people who've actually had to deal with uh, folks they know dying or being really sick themselves. That's not, I'm not minimizing that, but I'm just saying, you know, the, the human race has faced much more calamitous times in terms of scale and threat. Um, but you would think, so we're, in this less than a year of hardship, global hardship, national hardship, with the advent of now incredibly effective vaccines that are starting to make their way into populations, you'd expect there to be this kind of like uh, World War II newsreel, like we can do it type vibe out there. And there's just not. There's just this, this what can you do for me vibe and nothing you say is real and uh, just this really grotesque, grotesque, willful ignorance to the point where I've seen comments on threads recently of people bagging on like nurses and, uh, you know, healthcare providers, um, people just like working long, excruciating hours, witnessing horrible stuff, you know, putting themselves in harm's way to take care of you and yours. And all you're going to do is badmouth them. Um, just because you don't understand the way that, uh, the physical world works. Very strange. And then the things that trigger this Boko Haram West crowd, um, that, that's an equally bizarre uh, topic. You know, whether it's very simple mitigation uh, measures like wearing a freaking cloth mask um, to accepting this, uh, the vaccines that are going to be like... Uh, the incontrovertible path out of this global pandemic. Um, that kind of stuff is just mind-blowing to me. But I guess in a sense, it really shouldn't be. Because this Boko Haram West worldview that we see so much of online in recent times is really the logical conclusion, or progression rather, um, of a cultural viewpoint that I think is particularly problematic. And I, I think that this is not necessarily going to be popular with everyone because I hear people throw this term around a lot, but it's one that I bristle at whenever I hear. But hear me out and I'll explain why. Which is this idea of basing um, opinions or decisions or worldviews on quote, unquote, common sense. Now, I understand on face value, people like this idea of common sense because to them it means, you know, you have some ivory tower talking head coming at you with a bunch of gobbledygook that doesn't make any sense on one hand, but then you can take what you see with your eyes directly in front of you on the other, that common sense worldview. And that makes a lot more sense. You know, you can see it. It's, it's, it's there. The proof is right in front of you. Uh, 
But the problem with relying on things the way they look to us immediately in front of our face and on the ground without taking into account context, perspective, a bigger picture, is that we end up basing our thoughts and our opinions on such a limited set of data points that we open ourselves up to being marks for all kinds of logical fallacies, um, bad faith thinking, um, rash decisions, um, decisions based on anecdote. And generally speaking, that type of decision-making does not lead to positive outcomes. So, for instance, I've seen um, several different Boko Haram Westers of various uh, political persuasions up in arms um, by some of the information around the vaccines that uh, once they come down the pike, mitigation measures such as masks uh, may still have to uh, continue for uh, some time after the uh, first round of people um, in the general population become inoculated. And using the common sense view, these people, because in their mind, vaccine means you are no longer able to get the disease. Mask is something you use to keep yourself and others from getting the disease. The two cannot possibly uh, mix. Therefore, this is ridiculous. The vaccine is fake, and it's all just a, a ruse to get us to continue wearing the mask because that's so important to the to the shadowy powers of be the the wearing of the mask. Uh, that's one I am just unable to decipher. Is what the Illuminati or the NWO or whoever uh, they may be get out of you having to wear the mask. But in any case, uh, I was actually listening to um, the daily podcast put out by the failing uh, New York Times the other day, as I listen to it pretty much every morning. Um, and they were, this episode, uh, the New York Times infectious disease expert Don McNeil Jr. was on there talking about the vaccine and talking about answering questions about things like why one would still need to wear a mask post vaccination. And the very reasonable explanation is, is as of yet, there is not enough information on how these vaccines work as to whether or not you are, are actually unable to um, transmit the disease to someone else. Like you, you may be 95% inoculated or what have you. Um, and you may be protected to the point where even if you um, are carrying the virus, um, it's not create, it's not causing symptoms in you. Um, to any significant significant degree, but you still very well may be able to transmit it to others. Well, who cares? Well, that actually ties into a question that I had about vaccinations. And with um, so much reporting out there of such a huge percentage of people that are skeptical about or just flat out refuse to take the vaccine, um, and public health people still seeming to be hand-wringy about that number, I was just curious myself, like, what does it matter in the sense that if someone refuses to uh, take a vaccination, are there any other consequences other than that person being susceptible to the disease? Because at that point, I mean, I can't really care if you're, if you're not gonna if you're not gonna step up if you're not gonna do your civic duty, you know, that's on you. I knew there had to be a catch. What the catch is is there's going to be people out there in the population that are unable to take the vaccine, whether it has to do with allergies, whether it has to do with um, folks like people undergoing cancer treatment can't take it. So by yourself not taking it, you are 
just saying you could care less about those people. Like if if if, if you transmit it to them and they they have a bad outcome, eh, only the strong survive. But, you know, I think of the actual real people in my life that I know that are either undergoing cancer treatment now or have in the past, and that anyone would be monstrous enough to want to um, put even further risks to those people's health under this uh, know-nothing rubric of, well, we're all going to die someday. I prefer freedom and strength. I mean, it's, it's, it's patently absurd. Um, it's weak and cowardly. And this, this is the kind of thing that you start to see if you go up to a higher level and start to look down. Because it might seem like real common sense. Like, what's the point of a vaccine if I still have to wear a mask? Uh, what's the point of the vaccine if I don't care about getting sick? Well, there's, there's a lot more moving parts to any issue. And that's all I'm putting out there. I just hope people keep that in mind, keep that in their heart, bring that out into the world with them. There's always more to the picture than meets the eye. And it's always worth it to just take that extra little time, go that extra little mile to get the bigger picture, to consider other people, to think about a more holistic perspective instead of just what you happen to see at one instant of time from your sole vantage point. Hey, remember back in school on uh, the last day before... Christmas break, uh, and a school day would start off with the teacher trying to give some uh, half-hearted lesson or lecture, and then it would be time for the Christmas party, and the day would kind of devolve, and the teacher would give up, and you would eat a bunch of candy canes, and maybe start picking at the gingerbread house you made, and uh, get to go home early. Or that part of episode 25 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, because this is the Christmas episode for 2020. Folks, it has come to my attention that this time next week will, in fact, I think be Christmas Eve. Is that right? I could have it wrong. I think that's what ISR told me. So there's not going to be an episode next week. There may not be an episode till after the new year. This might be it for a little while. Definitely be it for, uh, again, next week, because I, I imagine, imagine you might have something better to do on the 24th. Then check out episode 26 of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast. Maybe not. I don't know. Who knows? Teach their own. But uh, we're talking Christmas for the rest of this episode. It's going to be a real casual uh, classroom Christmas party style. Hope everyone brought their... um... Man, you know what's the worst? Um, And just brings out the inner, like belligerent uh, uh, trumper in me, you know, when, when these guys are all freaking out about, oh, nowadays they give the kids participation medals. The thing that just drives me nuts in that vein is um, this sugar-free stuff in class uh, parties. Has anyone encountered this? Um, if you have, I wouldn't say if you have the misfortune to have kids, because having kids is great. But if you happen to have had kids during this unfortunate time of the last, oh, I don't know, for me, it's been 15 years now that this has been going on. Um, there's this weird thing where half the time when it comes to classroom holiday parties, they don't want you bringing sugar. This makes no sense. It is a holiday party. You have the rest of the year to eat carrot sticks. Come on now. Fortunately, that is never an issue here at Sensational Manor, uh, especially is not an issue this year because there is no classroom party for either child happening. So they can go buck wild with whatever they want here in the house. 
And we've, we've been going, we've, we've been getting the party started over here. The, the candy canes have been flowing. There were some uh, peanut butter M&Ms in the mix for a while, but I think those have all been annihilated. Uh, first batch of Christmas cookies went down last weekend. Um, Ms. Sensational, my wife, and my oldest, uh, Ms. Sensational One, who's 15, made a batch of cookies. And these cookies were like, um, I can't remember the, the name on the recipe, but they're basically these kind of like, you make these braided candy canes, and half of the braid is just like sugar cookie, but the other half is this uh, dough cookie mixture that they put together that involved like all these crushed candy canes. So it's like this red and not white, but like dough color candy cane shaped cookie. But then the red part has that peppermint taste, but it also has these little flecks and chunks of, of crunchy candy cane. So particularly enjoyable cookies. First time we made those. I... I, I Really enjoyed those. Um, I will not get to partake in... Well, I, I probably will at some point, but not in the same way. But my mom is usually um, produces some Christmas cookies for the uh, Christmas festivities that typically take place at her house in Santa Rosa, but we are not doing this year. Weird um, Christmas, now that I think about it. Um, we got COVID. We got... Um, I, I'm pretty... Yeah, I think I talked about it on the first episode of the reboot of uh, the show that my dad died a few months back or some months back. So first, Christmas sans him. Um, first Christmas with my brother's uh, now some months old son. <laughs> so we're not going to get to do that. So yeah, a lot, a lot of weird, weird milestones this Christmas. And then the fact that it's just not even really happening. So... Strange times, but we will persevere and we will get through it. Um, Quick plug on the topic of persevering through this holiday season. If you are looking for more cheerful holiday content, uh, tomorrow, Thursday, the Thursday after the Wednesday that this show airs, or on demand if it's past that time, uh, the IC Robots Radio Network is proud to announce we are going to have a very first Christmas holiday cookie special hosted by Icy Robots friend Sarah Burr, the Sausagetarian, who you may be familiar with from her segments on the Stuck at Home show. She's going to be having her own special episode on the network talking about all things holiday cooking, uh, cookie related. So check it out. I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm happy. Uh, I feel like we could always use more more voices, more content here at the network. So hopefully this is the first of other uh, longer form appearances by her to come. But we shall see. I don't really know the future there. But check it out on the IC Robots Radio Network, the Sausagetarian Holiday Cookie Special tomorrow, Thursday, or whenever you happen to uh, get to it on demand. Hope that is slumbered for 
2,000 years, a promise that silenced a thousand fears, a faith that can cobble an ocean. As I have mentioned previously on the show, I am a big Christmas person. I uh, associate it with very positive memories from my childhood. Uh, I know Christmas can be a divisive issue. Um, Some people didn't have the best of Christmases in their youth, so maybe don't think of it as fondly. Other people come from other traditions and don't celebrate Christmas. And to me, it's not so much the particularities of Christmas. Um, I'm not a war on Christmas guy. I'm not triggered if, uh, God forbid, someone else in the world has a different tradition than me. Um, But for me, it just, you know, there's something very human, I think, something very natural about holidays, special times in the dead of winter that revolve around light and warmth and cheer. And Christmas is not the only one of those holidays. There are several speaking to that human need. But Christmas is the one for me, the one for Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. And what do I enjoy about Christmas? As I mentioned on a previous episode, I enjoy all the decorating that goes into it. I enjoy our Nutcracker collection. I enjoy the tree every year and all the ornaments and uh, many of them with sentimental value that only increases as the years pass. I like Christmas music, and I'm sure I went through an edgelord phase when I was younger where I was trying to disavow Christmas music, but I've come to realize there is just an irresistible charm to the majority of Christmas tunes. I know some of my friends out there, Dan Z, if you're out there, still trying to uh, wave his freak flag about how anti-Christmas music he is, but he also finds that the Dead Kennedys listenable, so... Mileage may vary, um, taste may be in question. <laughs> uh, Christmas music that I love, um, Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song is probably my gold standard. Um, I like a lot of that croony classic stuff. I uh, My parents, when I was a kid, had some Renaissance Christmas album, and I used to love that when I was a kid because I felt like uh, I was in a, a D&D game as this medieval-ish Christmas classical music played. Um Big fan of the John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album. That one, that was a family heirloom, a major classic that I feel does not get enough uh, recognition or praise. So if you have not heard the John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album, if you're not familiar with it, please seek it out. It is definitely worth a listen. Um, I like, you know, the Mariah Carey pop Christmas stuff, Taylor Swift pop Christmas stuff. I think when it comes to Christmas music, there are only three songs that I actively dislike. One of them being Santa Baby, because I find the uh, suggestiveness of that song to be very disturbing. I I don't want that type of imagery to be intruding on uh, the sanctity of of the season. Similarly, that the the assault one, the the cold outside, which uh, trigger warning, because I know some people want to hold on to that one with the, the grip of death um, uh, to prove that uh, retrograde is here to stay. But that one's creepy AF. Not really a fan of that one. The weird that one's a weird Mandela effect for me because I swear to God I had never heard that song until like two years ago, and I don't know how that's possible, but um, that's just the way it is. So I think that that one really did just come into existence out of nowhere two years ago. And we all just think it's been around for a long time. 
Um, and then finally, the Paul McCartney, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Okay, I won't go on, but that, that one is, uh, cannot deal. Although as, as I see robots, I, I, I had mentioned my dislike of the song on Facebook, I believe. And he said, I can't remember if he said that he disliked it, but he said that he always listens to it. And I, I, the same for me, I have like a morbid fascination with it where Santa Baby or the Cold Outside one, I will skip. I always listen to the Paul McCartney monstrosity in its entirety. So I don't know what that says about me, but... Um, Oh, my Ms. Sensational 2, um, 12 years old, is holding up her phone to show me that, in fact, the Cold Outside song um, was released in 1944. So she's asserting that my conspiracy theorizing um, is not valid. But I, I'm sticking to my Alex Jones guns here. It is! It's a Mandela effect! Um, Folks, I apologize for that outburst, but between the war on Christmas, the fake vaccines, the fake, the pandemic, I'm just on edge. So let's see, what else do I like about Christmas? I guess overall, what I really love about Christmas, and I had ups and downs in my childhood experiences and my relationship with my parents, but one arena where they did me an unadulterated solid was in the Christmases they put on. And it was nothing extreme or elaborate or anything, but we always had festivities. We always had decorations. We always had uh, some degree of presence. It wasn't anything crazy, but, you know, I got presents. And I realized in trying to replicate similar experiences for my children, the best part of Christmas, when you have the means to pull it off, the wherewithal to pull it off, Christmas is great performance art. And we all know one of the tenets of genoveganism is performance art. Because really, you are creating this magical something out of the deepest, coldest, darkest heart of winter, just reaching into that nothingness and pulling this gleaming treasure out with your bare hands and presenting it to the world. Um, that's Christmas at its best. That's that, that feeling of anticipation, that... that I mean... Let's let's not get too weird here, but I mean, it is symbolically a holiday around a birthday. So it kind of makes sense that symbolically you are um, bringing birth out of the deadness of winter. Um, and I guess that's why it's such a fun family holiday, too, because it's really, really symbolic of family, that you are creating this sphere of comfort, in theory, inside an otherwise hostile world. That's kind of how I think of, of family. And then, and then that extends to your friendships and stuff in the world. The world is never going to be what we want it to be. It's never going to be this perfect, inviting, friendly place. But we can find refuge and friends and family within it. And those best Christmases of my youth... My whole, my mom's entire extended family would get together and there'd be cousins and a lot of them would be in town visiting. This would take place down in San Francisco, my grandparents' house. And we'd be in town for a couple days. Some would be in town for like a whole week. And it just, it, there was this feeling that there was just endless possibility. The family was all together and you could break off into subgroups and these couple could go off and watch a movie and some other ones could watch a football game and 
another group could play with toys. Some folks could go on a walk, and then we could all reconvene and have dinner together, and then split off in new groups doing new things. And it was just this feeling of abundance and uh, joy in an otherwise cold, harsh time. But unfortunately, with my Christmases as a child, that feeling was very fleeting because the family wasn't particularly strong. We were able to muster it for that for those couple of days in December. And then the winds continued to blow and everyone flew off to their end of the earth, uh, never to be seen again until the next year, until finally the family grew so weak that we ended our extended Christmas gatherings. So what felt so real in those moments was really just a mirage. But it was a mirage that gave me a vision of what was possible, what I wanted to try to do in the future with my own family, with my own friends, with you out there in the IC Robots radio network. And so folks, I'd like to ask at this Christmas time, if you celebrate Christmas, or if you have your own tradition, or if you have no tradition, but you can understand at all what I'm talking about, that you take that feeling of togetherness, as fleeting as it might be, and you try to kind of sprinkle it out throughout the whole year, throughout every day, throughout every night, even when it gets sunny outside again, even when there's no presence to be had. Try to bring that feeling of togetherness and warmth into the everyday, because hey, what do we do? At the Mr. Sensational Gina Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network, we sensationalize the everyday. And by bringing that Christmas spirit, or whatever you want to call it, into your everyday, you can make things just that more sensational. So folks, I hope you have a happy holiday, whatever your holiday might be. I'll talk to you again soon. It might not be till after the uh, new year. We shall see. This uh, much maligned 2020 will soon be behind us. But if it's before then, or if it's after, I will be back, and I hope you will too, for another episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast on the IC Robots Radio Network. And until then, it's yours truly, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, signing off! <laughs>